Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Inland Lighthouse Radio Podcast. And I'll be your host today. My name is Brother Bob Lee, and I'm with my sound engineer, Brother Danny Torado. Hello, everyone. And today, again, we're uh, we're excited to be here for all you out there listening. And we have a very special guest today, and we have with us uh, Brother Ari Prado. Say hello. Hi. Hello. Nice to be here. And we're real excited about this. Uh, Brother Prado has been with uh, Inland Lighthouse um, for uh, this weekend, preaching a great message yesterday. Uh, if you want to go into our, our website, you can hear that. It was called Long Suffering is Salvation. Is Salvation. It was a great was message. Great. And uh, again, we're very excited to have him here today. And uh, I, I, I better be careful uh, saying this. I'll, I'll see how I put it. Uh, my grandkids were excited to have him down there. They say he's a, our favorite, one of our favorite preachers. Right. Um, but uh, I want to put it the way Jesus did, talking about John the Baptist. There is none greater than uh-uh. Brother Ari Prado. <laughs> so we'll put him that way uh, so we don't offend anybody. But anyway, bro, let's go ahead and start off real quick. Um, brother, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into church and, and give us a little bit of your history. Sure. So um, I came to church approximately in the year of 1997, and um, I was at the time I was a I was a fine arts major, and I was attending the Academy of Art School in San Francisco. Um, I was I was uh, I, I didn't really believe in God, although I I. Although my parents are very Hispanic, um, we weren't necessarily Catholic or anything like that, like you know most Hispanics are. So I didn't have that, you know, that religious upbringing whatsoever. I think I, even Catholic mass, I might have gone to it like one time. So I was going to art school. I was an art major, and at the time, also I I had a pretty um, what I would call like a fledgling uh, rap career. Um, we did a radio show, in fact, uh, for several years. We had our own radio show. Um, we were doing concerts. We were starting to kind of put out albums and, and, and do stuff like that. But I was like really, um, I was actually very depressed internally and just, I was also working in a tattoo shop at the time to get by, you know, uh, just anything that I could. I was just very much like a culture vulture. I just loved music, art, all that stuff. And I would do whatever I could to kind of get by and, Um, during this time, I just became, you know, unbeknownst to anybody, I was really struggling with suicide. Um, and I had a DJ in my rap group who was already in and out of church. He was a backslider actually. And he would talk to me about, about God, you know, when we were done doing our music and recording and whatever, he would, he would just, you know, he'd have these moments where the guilt would just get really heavy and he would start talking to me about God. So to make a long story longer, uh, <laughs> uh, he, he just, you know, even in his own backslid way, he just kept talking to me. And uh, one day I kind of reached the end of my rope and, um, man, I just started crying out. I was just like, Jesus, if you're real, show yourself to me. And um, all I could tell you is that there was a series of just supernatural, and I'm not afraid to say that at all. They were very supernatural events. Um uh, one uh, one of them in particular, the most life-changing was um, one night the Lord spoke to me in an audible voice and he told me to repent. Um, I didn't even know really what the word meant, but I knew how it felt. And uh, I jumped out of bed at you know six in the morning, sobbing, crying, asking God to forgive me. And um, my mom thought I'd lost my mind. She, In fact, she said, I'm going to call the therapist. You've really gone <laughs> crazy this time. So um, I repented. 
Um, I went to Bible study with my friend. You know, he would go on and off, and he was like, hey, come with me to Bible study. I kind of shared with him what had happened to me that day. And he was like, come with me to Bible study, man. And so I did. I went to Bible study. Um, that's really, that was my beginnings, was I just started going to a home Bible study. I had had several, you know, again, several dynamic events that were taking place leading up to that. Um, but the rest is... You know, as we say, it's history, and, and this is where I'm at today. I, I went through Search for Truth, amen, yeah. uh, beginning to end, and uh, I ate a lot of cookies, and um, <laughs> hallelujah, sat through a lot of Bible studies, uh, got hands laid on me a lot, and uh, here I am. So that's that's kind of how I got into church. Wow, that sounds awesome. You know, um, I had a preacher once, uh, uh, actually one of our first pastors, uh, when my wife and I first got in church. And you talk about your, you know, your DJ friend, um, and we're thank God for him because we would look at what the Pentecostal world here would be missing if if he had not listened to him. And, and uh, going back to what the preacher said, he said that uh, someone had asked him once about people on the radio and some denominal church, you know, preachers and whatever. They said, uh, you know, don't you shouldn't listen to him. Well, but he he had this way. He said, you know, you can always get something good out of them if they're pre sure. if, they, if they quote a scripture. I mean, you, how can how are you going to knock the Bible? You yeah. know. Uh, and, and their doctrine may not be correct, but you can always get something good. And it's it's great that you took some advice from this guy. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it worked out. Eventually, we we came to God. Um, our whole rap group came with us. Um, the whole radio station came with us. All, well, all the guys that were doing the radio show, we brought pretty much everyone to church with us. Uh, so we even shut down the radio station. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's and awesome. So, um, yeah. So you know, here we are today. And, uh, well, okay, so you said you repented. About how long after that did you receive the Holy Ghost and then maybe start to feel the call to... From from the school? moment, you know, I repented to getting the Holy Ghost, that took me about six or seven months. Hmm. I didn't pl I didn't jump into church right away. I, I was very committed to Bible studies, but I couldn't... I just... The Sunday thing was too much. And uh, so I, it just took a long time. And then when I finally... Um, uh, as things continue to escalate, you know, God just kept putting me in a position where I had to make stronger decisions. And so um, I got saved, uh, probably like like saved, saved, where I'm like baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, attending church, doing all that good stuff, and probably about a year after that. So, okay, yeah, it took about a year, and then about, you know, three years after that, I was preaching, so... I jumped when I jumped in, man. I I jumped in. I will say this, and hopefully to encourage somebody out there, uh, I believe in it now, and I'm sure we can talk about this in a second. The it was Bible studies and a prayerful church and pastor that just didn't give up. They were long suffering. Um, that is what made the difference. Um, even even back then, I was just I, I'd go home at night. I always knew what I had to do because I was given the information and what I would call um, like a, um, you know, a, a lower, a, a lower toned environment, like a Bible study. So I was, it was very clear to me what was said. It was very clear to me what the Bible said. It was always very, and it was, the, the, the environment was a lot more um, toned down. It was more, more reduced. And so um, it made a big difference, you know. I, I felt like my my choices were educated choices, and I I say that you know whatever I, informed choices is what I should probably say. I felt like all my decisions were informed decisions, and so I also did 
And again, little, you know, hopefully some encouragement. Sometimes people take time to make decisions because they're trying to make an informed decision. They're weighing the evidence, they're weighing the information, and then they're trying to synthesize it all. And they're trying to see, I, you know, for me, it was like trying to figure out a way to make, I even went through a whole period where I was trying to see like, okay, is this new life going to fit into my old ways? And so there was even a little, I even had a little time where I was like trying to do Christian rap, you know, and I tried to put, you know, that patch, you know, I try to, I, I, I try to put that new wine into an old wineskin and it burst, you know, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, so obviously I can't bring this to this. These two are not agreeing anymore. They're not going to cohabitate. So I had a lot of those situations. And now even that I'm pastoring, I'm just very long suffering with people. I'm just, I try to be at least, um, I just understand that some people are processing a lot of information and some life-changing information. So, yeah. Well, I, I definitely recommend uh, Bible studies. I know it worked for me. My yeah. wife and I, we've been in church now 23 years or so, but uh, definitely Bible studies, both formal at the at the church, uh, like a new life or a new convert type of class, but also I, I'm so thankful to the pastor's son. He came over to my house. He came to my work during lunch hour. Um, and we couldn't get enough of it, but I, I think it really helped because people, and and like you or even our bishop pastor recently said, you get somebody coming into church and they haven't really heard this, and they may be I don't want to say offended, but just something just may not go down quite right because they don't have the full teaching. You got you got to get that. So I tell people if, if I at the altar with a new conference, hey, just just stick around, and you'll get it. You know, go to, get in a Bible study because the stu- there's so many new things. You're like you said, you're trying to adjust to and 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 digest and and uh, and it's it's a new way of life. And yeah, if, <laughs> and you can be, yeah, you know, you can and, be turned off. And even. Uh... For those who aren't giving Bible studies out there, you know, like what you just said, it, it took a while for you to come to church, but you just kept coming to Bible study. You just kept coming to Bible study, you know, and it encourages, you know, or don't be discouraged if you're giving Bible studies, you know, and, and the per- the person or the people you're giving Bible studies to don't come to church right away, but they're still coming to Bible study. Still giving them Bible study, pray for them, just keep working, keep working it, keep working, and hopefully eventually they'll, yeah. they'll come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Well, so you 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 said you started preaching uh, very soon after getting to church. So you're and and I think I first um, got to know you a little bit. Uh, I think it was you came down for one of our youth. My uh, grandkids were up at a youth camp, and I think that's one of the first thing I remember anyway. So you're evangelizing. So maybe you can talk a little bit about differences between evangelizing and pastoring now. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I I toggled between. So when I got saved, um, I was just. I didn't really know that there was an outside church world from our... We were connected to um, to a larger church. Um, uh, shout out to First Church in San Jose, uh, the Shoemake family. Uh, we were connected to them. Um, they were... That's kind of the church my pastor came out of. That was our mother church. Um, and I wasn't... But other than First Church San Jose and our small home missions work, I didn't know that there was like this other church. Um, I didn't know there was like a... A, you know, a oneness movement. I didn't know, you know, denominations or nothing. I didn't, I, was, I had zero religious coordinates. So I was just, but I've always been one of those people that are like, man, whatever I do, I'm going to do it with everything in me. So I started immediately just plowing where I was at. And literally uh, when me and, when my DJ finally gave his life over and stopped toggling and playing with God, like our our church went from like, man, maybe, you know, five or six, you know, 10 people to like 50. I mean, we were bringing in all our friends. 
And so um, shortly thereafter, God started dealing with me about... I, I didn't know that, like, I just... I was trying to duplicate what was done to me. So I just... I got into teaching Bible studies. And so I was teaching my friends Bible studies, winning people. My, uh, Me and my buddy were doing this. And so our pastor just kind of like... We were his, we were his guys, you know? So... Um, my buddy ended up becoming like the assistant pastor, and I was just kind of like the wherever I could get in is what I did, you know. Um, so in the in that process of winning people, that it got got started like dealing with me about um, uh, ministering in Spanish, and I wasn't really fond of that idea because I spoke Spanish, but not like it wasn't my first language. It was my first language, but it was also the first language I forgot. <laughs> right, so like I was raised speaking Spanish, and so and and I understood it perfectly, but I didn't speak it well. Let alone when I started trying to read the Spanish Bible, um, that was even a whole nother dynamic because it's it's no different than King James English is to modern English. You know, you have just very different pronunciations and stuff like that. So um, I started like God was dealing with me about the Spanish thing, and I was like, man, I don't really want to do that. And um, I was also I was also still one of those Hispanics that you didn't necessarily, you didn't really come, your parents didn't come to the United States necessarily to stay Hispanic, right? Like your, and my parents were very pro-education, so they were like, I mean, man, I was taking like French lessons when I was like seven. So it was, I was, I was supposed to speak English, French. Uh, I could even speak a little bit of Japanese when I was a kid. So my parents were really big on trying to diversify and learn and da, da da So, but I didn't, I didn't really think highly of being Hispanic and um, hopefully nobody gets mad about me saying that. But I didn't, I guess I didn't, I didn't put it on a pedestal. That's really the right way I should say. I, I embraced, you know, back then I embraced my, my ethnic roots or whatever, but I didn't like, I didn't necessarily put it on a pedestal. Um, and, um, so when God started dealing with me about Spanish, I was like a little embarrassed about it. I felt kind of awkward. I didn't want to go back. I felt like I felt like I was being downgraded, you know? I don't know why I felt that. I, I, I can't even, I have my ideas, but I felt downgraded a little bit. But I finally surrendered. I was like, okay, God. So I started doing all the Spanish ministry um, where, where, where I was at. And eventually um, got it up to about 20 or 30 people. And uh, in the process of that, you know, I started getting exposed to kind of a, the larger world of Pentecost, and I met other pastors, and we'd go to sectional rallies and youth rallies and stuff, and I was like, oh, wow, there's like this whole world. And so people were like noticing, like, hey, man, here's this young kid. I was probably like 21. I was like 21 and just, man, winning people to God and, and trying to help my pastor and, you know, you know whatever. So... People were like, hey, come preach for us. So I, I I started preaching, and I started preaching out a lot. And my pastor, and I was like preaching out and trying to sustain this Spanish church that I had helped start within our home missions church, you know. And so my pastor was like, you know what, you're having, God's obviously calling you to go out. So just, you know, next engagement you get, just take it and keep preaching out and see what God will do. And so um, I started evangelizing, and then I evangelized for like, Eventually, I just preached out so much, I just, that's just what I was going to do. I ended up evangelizing from 2003 to about three years ago, so like 15. Oh, what, wow. what are we in wow. right now? Yeah. I don't know. So, 
Yeah. I evangelized for a long time. A lot of people didn't know who I was. I preached at a lot of small churches, and I preached at a lot of home missions environments. And and occasionally I would travel the world. In fact, kind of funny story, I always tease Brother Booker about it. I even preached here one time, and he didn't even remember. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, he, I don't even know why he had me come preach, but anyways, but yeah, I preached here and he didn't, he doesn't even recall it, so, which is fine. But uh, shout out to Brother Booker. But um, uh, uh, the um, I started evangelize evangelized for fifteen years, and then now recently I've started pastoring. So I kind of, this is not my first rodeo. You know, I've been around the block a few times. Just I wasn't always, I didn't really always have high level visibility. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been something more recent where I might be more, you know, people might recognize me a little bit more. But for years, I was just like out, you know, out there just, you know, doing doing my thing for Jesus, you know, in whatever little corners of the earth I could find. Well, like I said, uh, you've done so well here at Art. We love you here at In the Lighthouse. I know my grandkids do, and and, and I'm, you're not just a kid. For, I don't mean it to sound like that. No, I'm, no, I'm no, an old no, guy here, yeah, and I love no, you no, too. You're fine. Um, but uh, so anyway, um, so now you're pastor, and hasn't been that long. But you're in okay the Bay Area. I, I actually lived uh, many years. I was, grew up in Northern California, and I lived in the Bay Area. Okay, yeah. I thought I thought one time you came up to me, right? You had like a relative. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. your wife was it? Was it your wife? My wife's family. They live very close to, probably closer to where, you, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the Hayward, Santa, right? Hayward area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, so we're we're still working on that. Um, but I love the area. Awkward moment. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have not. I haven't done my due diligence to reach out to her. But guilty uh, moment right here. Oh. It, and we we actually were up there recently in San Rafael area, and we unfortunately didn't get a chance. I've been wanting to stop. I know our our our, our youth went up and helped. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. Yeah, yeah, that was so great. I, I heard that was really went really well. Uh, I'd like to go visit church. But anyway, you're in the Bay Area, and it's a very diverse community. Uh, and like I said, I live there. At, it's been I've been down here twenty years, so it's it's changed a lot. I think uh, since I've been there, but uh, there's definitely some um, I don't know laws coming into effect, and just the whole culture of the area that may be in direct um, um, disagreement with some of our beliefs. I'm sure. just curious how you've been able to like uh, evangelize people, get them in, and just just navigate because it's, it's we're in a touchy. Uh, political climate nowadays. Yeah, and so, uh, um, so I'll kind of maybe even um, uh, go back a little bit to the to the question we had a few seconds ago, and then tie it into this. Um, one of the major differences between like you know evangelizing and pastoring is that when you evangelize, you travel a lot, and so that traveling. Um, when you're a pastor, you're just a lot more stationary. You're in one place. You're working with a, a very distinct group of people, and you're you know you're you're creating a culture. You're you're building. It's just stationary. When you're evangelizing, you're 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 constantly there's there's you're you're constantly on your toes. You're, there's no there's a lot of you know there's not a lot of symmetry. You know there's everything's constantly up and down. Uh, the balances are. I'm traveling, you know what I mean? Like I'm on the road. I, I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, I could be in, in Argentina one day, Canada the next, Detroit the next, L.A. the next, the Bay Area the next, you know, Baton Rouge, you know. So you're having this constant change. Well, that constant change is is really good because 
I think not only mentally, spiritually, but you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, it really it it it, it keeps you on the cutting edge and it keeps you very it keeps you sharp, you know, because you're constantly having to work things out and work out, you know, where am I? What am I doing? You know, how do I get by? Um, so, you know, coming back to the Bay Area to start a church, um, one of the things I, I, I do is I, and even now pastoring, I try to, um, I try to stay, f- you know, I, I try to stay on my toes and, and, and I try to, to the best of my ability, I, I'm, I'm, I constantly assess the, the biblical warning to not add or take away from the Word of God. And so you'll be surprised how effective you can be if you don't add or take away from the Word of God, right? And there is, there is the, there's a huge temptation to do both. There's a huge temptation to think like, well, man, if I just didn't say this, I could probably be way more effective with this person. And then there's also the temptation of like, you know, if I could just tack this little rule on, you know, it would really help me, you know, to to win this person or to or to minimize this person's bad behavior, you know, or whatever, whatever it is that you're working with. There's that constant temptation to add, to take away, to add, to take away. And so I'm constantly, um, I'm trying to keep the main thing the main thing. You know, I'm trying to stay really focused. Um, There is a lot of change in politics, and that's, but politics have always been that way. The, 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 The one thing about politics is that, they're always changing. Um, politics, uh, one of the greatest comforts I, I have is knowing that the early Christian church was started in a climate much more hostile than this. So, you know, the, the, the things that we're struggling with today were openly embraced in the book of Acts. You know, um, uh Everything, everything that we're just barely starting to do and embrace and say is okay, and it's not the church. Those people were doing that full fledged in the book. Uh, politicians in in the days of the apostles were corrupt, and they weren't afraid to talk about it. They they had uh, many of the Caesars had husbands and wives. You know, they they were. I mean, you know what I mean, like that. the The church was built for for this environment. It was it was made to endure these things. We. The Christianity doesn't just flourish in, in, in Christian countries. Christianity flourishes wherever it goes, and that's also generationally. So um, to me, I, I, feel, I, I feel certain that if it worked in the book of Acts in the days of the apostles, it, it's going to work now because their, their society in many ways was much more hostile, much more complicated, much more sensual than ours is. Um, and I know we think that our world's bad, but I'm telling you, antiquity, the stuff people were doing without reservation antiquity would make us, you know, it, it would make us look innocent. Even now at these stages, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> uh, we're doing good <laughs> at getting there, but I still think that, like, you know, that's very real. But one of the other things that I have really emphasized and tried to stick to is is making sure that I'm as like spiritually sharp as I can be because a lot of times um the saints that you know the saints of East Bay they they could 
they'll testify to this. You know, pastors at the church every day praying in the morning, and you're going to get a text from me at some point. And I'm going to let you know I'm praying. I'm going to tell you what, you know, the Lord has said to me and or what I feel or just, you know, whatever. I try to stay real spiritually sensitive to the needs of people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, there's, man, it's, it's somewhat, for a lot of people, they may be like, you know what, I'm still coming to terms with what you're saying, but I know that the other day you talked to me, and that was from God. I know what you told me the other day. There's no way you could have known that. There's no way... And just making sure that that whatever I'm doing has a spiritual edge to it and has a spiritual dynamic embedded into it so that people know, like, hey, I yeah, I'm real conflicted about some of this stuff, but this guy is like saying things and doing things and or, you know, his his his, you know, or this church is 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 operating in my life in such a way that is I can't mistake that this is from God. And so I really, you know, even from the very beginning, I, I emphasized to our people, like, this is a church. This is not the Rotary Club. This is not the Lions Club. This is not the YMCA, you know. Um, this is not bingo night. This is the church, you know. And so we're going to pray. We're going to lay hands on people. We're going to, man, we're going to be spiritually sensitive. And, and um, you know, I, right now the, the motto of our church is grounded in Scripture, uh, led by the Spirit and filled with compassion. So we try to we try to really live by those three dynamics to be very biblical, to be as biblical as we can, so that when we do tell people things that may be uncomfortable for them, we're just like, man, that's what the Bible says. We can't change that. We're not going to change that. Um, and then secondly, um, you know, being spirit led. You know, that's really important, man. Being full of the Holy Ghost and let it lead you, let it guide you. Uh, in your in your ministry to people, and then last but not least, just being full of compassion. I have to be compassionate with people. We, you know, they're souls at the end of the day. You know, if we give up on them, and, you know, throw them by the wayside, they're going to hell. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Like you're going to hell if I don't if I don't give you a shot, if I don't pray with you, if I don't work with you, if I don't try. What what other hope do they have? So, um. That's kind of how I've tried to confront the... I'm also from the Bay Area. I was born in, you know, Berkeley. You know, my, my mom was like a yoga teacher. My dad was like a biophysicist. So, you know, I mean, I, you know, my parents ate tofu and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, my mom loves... You know, so it's, I, the dynamic I was raising was very... It was very Bay Area. So I don't like... I've been a, you know... I. I've been a Bay Area in my whole life. I was born and raised in the Bay Area. So there's just, I guess I, I just talk that talk too. I just know, I try to just, you know, I, I know how, how they feel, you know, and um, that's just, that's my, that's those are my stomping grounds, I guess. So that I don't, I feel comfortable talking to people yeah. in the Bay Area. You know, I guess, I guess, like you said, uh, I think it was Solomon. I, I don't want to add to the words, but there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess when we think about that, you know, it's it's so true that um, you look at Sodom and Gomorrah and just some um, other things. There's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. You look at look at the um, Herods and their families and all that stuff. So I guess I, one thing though is, and, and you said being uh, spirit led and sensitive to the spirit and all that. Because I know when I first got in church, I, I, I was a heavy drinker and, and this and that. And I remember asking um, the guy that was giving me all the Bible studies, 
well, is it okay to drink? Can I, after I mow the lawn, it's 100 degrees out here. Yeah. I could probably just have a couple. I don't yeah. mean driving and drinking and yeah. stuff like that, but just sitting around the house, it's probably okay, isn't it? And I'll, I'll never forget, he used wisdom. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was wisdom. He didn't flat out say, no, you can't do it. Because if he did, I'd have probably said, well, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. I mean, but in a way, he just, he kind of just kind of like uh, talked about wine and fermented grapes and went off. And then before you know it, he's talking about the sunset and the, the view of Merced and, and whatever, and, and I'm like scratching my head. I go, he didn't really answer my question, but I, I hung in there. I kept going to Bible studies, and eventually I just stopped, you know, yeah. and I, or I didn't, I, even at that point, I hadn't, I, I pretty much quit. I, I don't know why. I guess it was the Holy Ghost, you know, I'd received, but I guess still using wisdom and stuff, and maybe one on one, you probably handle people differently. Yeah, you know, one thing, and if I can encourage anybody out there who's, who's maybe, you know, doing what we're doing, uh, trying to plan a church, or even, it's just whatever. This is just a lot of times the thing I remind myself to, whatever I see on the surface isn't necessarily the problem. It's a manifestation of the problem. So, you know, I might be dealing with somebody who has, you know, some certain philosophical, ideological tendencies, but it's, you know, you'd be surprised what somebody who's been abused thinks. You know what I mean? Or or how that shows up in their approach to life. You'd be shocked with somebody who feels they've been done wrong or or who feels whatever. I mean, a lot of a lot of the the ideas that people have about life, sometimes they if you trace them back, there's pain involved in there, there's hurt. You know, there's 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 an anger at the way reality is or the way they perceive life to be. And so some people are that they feel like that's the only thing they can do to protest something that's gone wrong in their life. And so if I, I'm constantly trying to assess like, man, do you really believe that? Or and you'd be surprised. I've called people on it like, man, you don't really believe that, do you? They're like, no, I don't. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, so, it, you know, if you can get into people's world, you know, and, and really just get in there um, and, and be, be compassionate, you know? Yeah, that's a key thing. I, yeah. I was just going to bring that up again, just having compassion for yeah. people. I think if people know that you, you really care about them, forget doctrine and all forget all that stuff you want their life you want them to be better uh, yeah you know i had a yeah yeah that's right so. yeah no that's good <laughs> well you know uh, i was gonna I, I, again i think some other wisdom that you're the, the 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 pastor you're working under when he said let's just see what happens go out and evangelize and and just see what you know to let to let you go that's a that's really big i mean i i, I know in some of our leadership classes our bishop and pastors talked about that and and there can be maybe uh, some insecurity in, in some pastors, and I'm not trying to you know get down or downgrade anybody or whatever, but I think it should, that showed wisdom, and, that, and again, we're thankful that he, he allowed you to kind of yeah. spread your wings and get out there. Yeah, because if he held on to you, you know who who knows what we'd be missing out on. Yeah, but yeah, that was really good. Um, I guess I had a question for you too. Sure. Um, Kind of, it's a, it's kind of along the lines of uh, you know, the third question, kind of. Um, this with this new thing coming out, um, just recently, they're trying to pass that um, assembly bill. I can't remember the number of it, but you know, it it kind of uh, hinders teaching the word of God. Um, you know, they say you can't. It'll be illegal to try to help people. Um, not not just churches, but like therapists as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm familiar, so yeah. 
like what are your thoughts on on like stuff like that like political correctness and things like that you can decline to answer but no 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 um, no no yeah. um no i you know uh, i was reading uh I, I wrote a i read a, a comment the other day on the internet they're like man we avoid talking about religion and politics but they were like man what else is there to really talk about <laughs> um these are big deals you know how people govern their lives um so in this regard i'm committed you know like i'm committed i'm i'm committed to the word of god um whatever that means so i'm committed to it so if that if that entails like man eventually i will what i am doing is illegal well then you know here we go right like um i'm i'm committed to the word of god like that i'm committed to um to this life uh a lot of times I think that um, so some of this some of this stuff is um, some of this stuff is already taking place in places like Canada and you have a lot of you have you know and, and while I say this with great reservation you do have voices guys like Jordan Peterson I don't know if you guys are familiar with yeah. him but Jordan Peterson is coming out and he's he is he's not afraid to get on that platform and and speak back and and say you know what no, what you're doing is a violation of you know fundamental rights and laws and and even it's a vi- and, and Jordan Peterson I think and I'm not quoting him but he'll go as far as to say you're even violating my 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 common sense at this point because you know you you can call yourself whatever you want but we all know what you you know yeah uh, you know s- some of these things are not a matter of like preference these are some of these things are biological facts so i i do think that you have to equip yourself this is something i think is critical for a lot of people to understand if you go to college right you go to college and you come out of college and you do all these things most of your learning does have a liberal slant right and mm-hmm. left-leaning um tendencies some people have never heard a counter argument. They've been inside of an echo chamber. They've never heard a counter argument. And so when they finally do hear one, not everybody is like, you know, burn them at the stake, you know. Some people are like, wow, I've never heard anybody say that. That's something to really think about. Um so my whole thing is delivery. Like how am I you know, I don't, I can, I don't, I'm a big advocate of delivery, you know, like how am I going to deliver that information? How am I going to hand people that info? How am I going to counter argue, you know, some of these things? Am I going to have a nasty spirit about it? Am I going to, you know, am, am I going to, you know, make a meme about you and then, you know, whatever? I, I don't think that's right. You know what I mean? Like, I think some people are okay. Now, some people are beyond reasoning with, but that's on both sides of the spectrum, right? Like, yeah, that's true. You could be on either side of the spectrum, have a real nasty attitude. But I think that for me as a pastor who's working in a city, in a region, trying to win people to God, I'm, I, I want to be informed. I want to know what's really being said. I want to know if, you know, I want to make sure I'm not like, I'm not arguing something that was actually in the onion instead of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I want to make sure that it's real news. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I so I think, you know, you just got to speak up. You have to, while we have rights, you know, as Christians, as Americans, as 
people in a free country, we have to exercise those rights. But I think we should do it articulately. I think we should also do it intelligently. I think we should do it biblically. And this is where now I think I've, I'm excited to see a lot of apostolics out there embracing uh, a, a stronger form of apologetics to where they're really talking about everything from, um, you know, evolution to, um, you know, gender politics and all that stuff. So again, and and then going way back to our conversation earlier, just making sure that you're not adding or taking away from the Word of God, but you're really, the you're really and you're you're really trying to help people understand what does the Bible say about this issue, you know? Because some people are also reading, they are the majority of the people who try to take the Bible apart are not biblically literate. And you have to, you have to let them know, like, hey, I understand what you just read, but you did read that out of context. You are not reading that the right way, and it's 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 pretty silly of you to do that. It's not good. You're getting the wrong impression about me. You're getting the wrong impression about Christianity. You're getting the wrong idea about the Bible. You're you're reading out of context. You are not a good saint, a a, a good church going person. Takes a, takes it takes years for us to even have like what I would call re- real competent cohesive understanding of scripture, right? You're, yeah. you're, it just does. It takes years. It takes Bible study. It takes teaching. It takes preaching. It takes altar calls. It takes prayer meetings. It takes, ex- and on top of that, the Bible's not just meant to be read. It's meant to be experienced. So there's a whole nother layer there. And if somebody just wants to tear the Bible apart, you, you can't do much with that. But if somebody's yeah. You know, Proverbs talks about, uh, you know, not to answer a fool according to his folly. And then the next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly. <laughs> Sometimes you got to figure out what kind of fool you're talking to. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I know those are, that sounds brutal, right? That sounds harsh. But we, we have to, we have to know, like, man, am I talking to somebody who's aggressive and doesn't want to talk anyways? Or am I talking to somebody who is just regurgitating something they heard by their college professor? You know, or or on their favorite news channel, whatever. So when you could, when you when you take the time to really listen, and then answer, you know, I th- I think everything changes. On the on the on the larger scale, um, I don't. I'm committed. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm committed. This, you know, the apostles counted it, man, a privilege to be persecuted for the name of Jesus Christ and, and for the gospel. And we have to count it a privilege as well. That's right. Where things are going to go, I don't know. Um, I really don't know. I'm not going to stop preaching the Bible. Uh, I'm not, man, If I might even get aggressive about it. You know, if they say you can't have one, I might put it on the dashboard, you know. <laughs> but but hopefully, we, hopefully we do not get that. You know, Jesus yeah. said, man, deliver us from evil. That should be our prayer. I know that some people are like, bless God, let's let's all go down burning. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> deliver us from evil. You know, we pray for peace. Yeah. Um, because I, I do. I have family members I still want to see saved. I, I got That's true. I want to see revival in America. I want to see America experience great revival. That might come through persecution. Yeah. We're committed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens. Like like you said, though, they were all the apostles. They were persecuted, and what, am I going to please God? Am I going to please man? And and don't preach the name of the Lord. What did they go out and do? They went out and did it. They knew what was right. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. 
Well, that's that's really well. You know, uh, um, I mean, I could go gone a lot. I actually, I went, I lived in Berkeley, and and I went to school there myself. And uh, I was different back then. You so, go to UC Berkeley, yeah. Cal State. Uh, UC Berkeley. Uh, you know, it was different, uh, or my, my thinking was different. Now we're we're a, a nonpartisan podcast here at, at Inland Lighthouse. We're you know either <laughs> Democrat or Republican. I don't care if you vote for Hillary Clinton or brother brother uh, Trump, um, but uh, either way, it's fine with us. For the Donald, um, I think I was independent actually when I was there because I, I I had a roommate that influenced me quite a bit. I wasn't in church, and he said, "Oh, Reagan." I think he was. It was my first election I voted for. Is nineteen eighty, and uh, oh, he, he sent in the troops, man, we can, you know, so I think I went independent. I don't even know who the, the Democrat was. But you mentioned you travel quite a bit, and the Word of God, obviously, is the same, but do you, do you find your style, your delivery style is different regionally, like in the South? Maybe do, do you kind of tweak it a little bit to the audience? or Oh, or yeah. Different churches, better, easier to preach in, that kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, oh, What's yeah. your style? Yeah, so... Um, now my biggest challenge is really not so much uh, as a pastor. I preach a lot slower now and a lot more uh, detailed, and I, I don't always plan on finishing. So you know, when you're a pastor, you're like, okay, we're going to pick this up next week where we left off. And I have like series, you know, like right now I'm going from Genesis to Revelation. So now my bigger thing is to like switch on the the like, okay, I only got one night, I only got one day to preach this. I got to like somehow, you know, turn this like high powered, you know, energy thing, you know, I got to get really enthused and um, that's probably my bigger struggle. I try to, I try to be me wherever I go. Cause I imagine if you're inviting me, it's because that's, you know, and I don't, I don't want to try to like, um, I don't want to change too much. I do want to be sensitive to, to what I'm talking to the, to, to, to the, my audience, I do want to be sensitive to like where they're at, and there are there's subjects I I try to I I will avoid. There's subjects um, I might hit on harder, you know. Uh, I just try to stay sensitive to to who I who I'm preaching to, without you know you can be confrontational. You don't have to be combative, you know. And I I try to avoid being combative, um, but I I think uh, yeah you know. Yeah, there. The South is a different, and I don't want to. Say, the South is a way different culture than California. It's just radically different, and in a lot of good ways. It's you know, um, so yeah, like when you're in the South, there's, you know, it's it. The, most of the most of the the adjustments you have to make realistically are a lot more nuanced than you might think. I there's a particular country I remember I was preaching, and I don't want to say where. I was preaching in this particular country, and you know, I'm. I just think you know, jokes that are you know. I I, I like to joke around sometimes, and so um, I'm Hispanic, you know, so I might cut a Hispanic joke, you know, while I'm <laughs> preaching, you know. Uh, but like I remember at this particular country where I was at, like I'd crack like jokes about like being Hispanic and. You know some of the stuff, that, and they didn't think that was funny at all. It was like very like no no, you know. And I could just tell like this in this particular area, they didn't like any jokes that had <laughs> any kind of like racial overtones. You know, they didn't like any of that stuff. Um, but I also remember a message I had, and uh, there was a particular message that I was preaching a, a lot of places where I'd go, 
And in this message, I made a reference to um, the carpool lane. Well, unless you live in a metropolitan area, people don't have, there's not, there is no carpool lanes in the South, unless you're like in, I'd imagine like Atlanta maybe has them or something like that. So I like was constantly having to like readjust my jokes, you know, <laughs> um, uh, because they're just things you could say and they're just not funny somewhere else, you know. And there's a lot to be said for having a sense of humor while you're speaking. It, it, it's a much more effective tool than people might think, mm-hmm. being lighthearted, being able to, you know, break the ice per se with, you know, a crowd. But like... If they don't know what a carpool lane is, they're just going to be staring at you like, what is that, you know? (laughs) And so I'd have to find some, like, thing they have in the South or they have in this particular country or the Midwest and then adjust accordingly. So, but other than that, God's people are beautiful. They, they, They welcome. I think I think the church you will not find diversity on the level that you'll find in a church of any church. You know, if you go to a football game, you know who's at a football game? Football fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if if you go if you're a Cub Scout, it's because you're a Cub Scout. Like that's what. But the church has everything. You know the church. The church is going to have generations in it. Grandma, great grandma, you know, sons, daughters, grandchildren. So you have a diversity of. Uh, you could have in a church setting somebody who is, um, you know, a PhD and somebody who has a GED, and they're all coming together. You could have people of different cultures and races. And so the diversity of the church is incredible. It's yeah, unparalleled. It you won't find that kind of diversity, you know, in, in any other, in, in my opinion, you will not find it in any other venue. No, churches are the most diverse places there are. And so, and then you have different ages, different, like uh, we're, we're teaching a class um, back at home on preaching. And I told them, I said, you, you might be preaching a grandma and a three-year-old at the same time, and you've got to connect. You know, you gotta. You know, three is probably too young, but like a five-year-old, right? Like you gotta connect. You, I, I. In fact, I told our class the other day, this uh, preaching class we were doing on, you know, effective preaching. One of the greatest compliments I've ever received, and I receive it all the time, is my kids enjoy your preaching. And so, if I'm able to 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 get everyone from mom and dad to sons to like my grandkids love you, man, I feel like I'm doing good. I'm making those those connections, you know. I'm 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 affecting two generations. That's not easy to do. That's hard. Yeah. yeah. That's really hard. Um so but I think that the way the church I think churches that are aware of their diversity and aware of their 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 uniqueness, I think they embrace they love it. You know, a lot of people they're they're like, Man, this is really cool. This guy has no idea that that's considered rude here. And they think it's funny, you know? <laughs> or or this guy is man, he's saying I've I've yeah, I've gotten in all kinds of interesting situations. But people actually like it. It's it you know, I think the I think the church is beautiful. I think the church is great in that dynamic. Uh, we we genuinely have the corner on real diversity, in my opinion. That's true. That's true. In yeah. my opinion, you no, know. That, that's definitely true. You yeah. know, I, I know, I know me personally too. Talking about having fun and and little levity and laughter, and laughter is it's like a good medicine, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I know um, uh, when I back in, when I was in the world, uh, I used to not think I could have fun unless I was drunk or out drinking. Yeah, the first yeah. thing we did when I get together with my family was get go get some alcohol. And uh, I, I, there are so many times that I'm telling you, I've, I've driven home 
and my mouth would be hurting from laughing and smiling so much at church. And, yeah. and, and I'm telling you, I mean, I think it's great for new people coming in because if it's just serious and you're sitting there and, and you know, if you're not having fun, I mean, definitely get the point across your message and you're trying to help people and whatever, but there's there's got to be a balance. But I definitely think some some laughter and, and you know, there's a time for the serious and we, and we definitely have it here where the Spirit of God just moves and it's just... Wow, you're feeling it, you know. But if you had that all the time, just serious and just hammering it. To, yeah, I, I remember I was actually telling uh, Bishop Larry Booker, um, I'm just calling him that to distinguish him from Joel Booker. But um, man, I remember when I first read um, The Journey of a Lifetime. Man, I was like genuinely busting up laughing. <laughs> like it was, I remember like my wife would just be like, What are you laughing about? And just this book was so. Reading is it was just so funny. It's stuff I just to this day, I mean the pictures and the images in my mind just had me just dying <laughs> laughing, you know. Um, but you know, it it's just, yeah, you know, I'm 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 really thankful for the kinds of uh, experiences that everybody brings to church. Um, it really makes living for God just beautiful. It it makes it, you know, oh, oh, it really makes it a great place, you know. And church has its issues. But the only other option is the world, and whatever whatever issues the church has, the world has them tenfold into the tenth degree. Yeah. yeah. So, I got I got another question yeah. here. Um, you know, you may you may feel free to touch on uh, what you preached on last night. But talking about social media, and we're living in an instant world now. I, I live in a manufacture or work in a manufacturing facility. Speed is everything. It's it's. We talk about lean manufacturing, uh, what is waste, non-value added, and yeah. waiting. And you, you kind of touched on that last night And when you were talking about is is you want to get rid of You don't want to have the forklift driver sitting there waiting for the pallet to come off the line or a truck sitting there waiting to be loaded. So that's a no-no in, in our world. And and there's probably times when, that, when that's okay. But you talked about speed and instant this. But social media... News is around the world so fast nowadays. What are your what are your views on that, and and how do you? So yeah. I one of the biggest. So I will say this. I, I don't think, I don't think we are in a position to like um, to totally disregard its ability to be used in a constructive way. All right. I, I I'm not sure that there are there are certain kind of forms of social media that I'm very uncomfortable with. Um, and, and in our particular church, I tell our young people, you cannot be on Snapchat. Like I just, I'm, I'm just, something about it just feels creepy. So, um, but you know, things like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and a few other deals or whatever are out there where the, a little bit more healthy information can be transmitted. I think there's potential for some, for a lot of, for a lot of good, right? Um, but what are the effects of social media? I think that's the big question, right? So, like, what are the effects? And as I touched on last night, number one, the effects are, um, in my opinion, and I didn't really talk about this last night, but one of the effects is is that you're you're kind of putting your uh, you're putting yourself out there, you know, and you're opening yourself up to a world of hurt. In a world of criticism, and and that's why, in fact, that's I think that's why social media sites themselves deliberately, in order to retain their 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 base, avoid. You know, Facebook doesn't have a thumbs down option. Yeah. 
you know, and neither does Instagram doesn't have a don't like option. You get a like or a comment option. You don't get, you know, same with Facebook, you get a thumbs up option or a comment option. They know that if they put a thumbs down option, it would people would just it'd get ugly. It'd get brutal. And um so but that's not the way life really is. Like you 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 know you don't life is not full of thumbs up, you know, there's a lot of like thumbs down <laughs> in life. Um so, you know, one of the biggest problems with social media is that it it's not it's not very real. It's mm-hmm. it's not the way things really are. And so, um you're you're putting yourself out there in a world that's not real. And when you get off of it, if you ever get off of it, when when you come back to reality, when you go to your job, when you go to your family, when you go to your life and you look in the mirror and you're sitting down to pay your bills or you're, whatever it is that you're doing that's real, um, it's, that's not who you are. That's not who you see. You know, nobody posts pictures of themselves fighting with their spouse on social media, you know. (laughs) That's not the picture anybody's putting up. Nobody's putting up pictures of, like, the money they spent on a pair of Louis Vuitton shoes that they should have used to pay their car note. Nobody's showing that. You know, nobody's showing the letters that are coming in the mail. Nobody, um, you know, nobody is showing those things. So... That that's the thing that we all have to realize is is that social media, when used um, extensively, um, you are now talking about um, a virtual reality. You're talking about, and it's not very real. On top of that, it's not very real, um, and and so you're you are swimming in very shallow waters. Mm-hmm. And people need to be aware of that. They need to know that. They need to know that this is you know this is. This consumed in, in large amounts is not good. This is not good for me. So I am going to moderate uh, how much I use this. Um, that's that's one of the first problems I see with social media. One of the second problems, as I talked about last night, is speed distorts perception. So you're you're now you're everything is moving at a rapid speed. Friendships, relationships. I have preached at churches. I have worked with people. I have talked to people. That I'm not kidding you. They get involved in relationships with somebody clear across the country that they do not even know. They think they know them, you know, based on a bio and a thumbnail picture, but that's that's ridiculous. You don't know nobody, you know. Yeah. You don't know nobody that way. And I have dealt with situations where people run away from home, leave their families, do you know, and that's sad, man. That's heartbreaking, especially when you consider they're doing it based on on this medium, you know. That's that's just. It's whack. It's not even real in a lot of ways. Hmm. What is my take on social media? I, I, I just I think we have to put it in its proper place. You, you have to. I think I think more literacy, more understanding about what it really is. Should I think that we should we should teach on it? We should talk about it. We should be educated about it. We should know what it really is. We should know what it really is not. We should all be informed about what it does to us emotionally. Um, um, we should know what's going on when we interact with it. And then, you know, we should also all try to be Christians about it and say, you know what, if this is getting more time than my prayer life, my devotion, yeah. uh, time with my family, whatever, then it's it's not right for me. Definitely, it's, it's yeah. Not, it's not good for me. 
but that would also include anything else, right? But mm -hmm. so just having a little bit more awareness of how it works, you know, and and knowing its dangers. And I I use a lot of social media. Um, I use a lot of Instagram, but you go on my Instagram account, it's just church stuff. Um, I, I put up church stuff and I, I try to move on with my life. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I enjoy Twitter. I actually enjoy Twitter a lot more because it's it's a lot more wordy and it's reading and it's talking. But I also, believe it or not, I enjoy Twitter for the news. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather you know, and even there the news is kind of slanted. But I, I like, I kind of use Twitter more to keep up with like, uh, new Correct stuff, events. but I'll be very, I'll be very honest with you, and this is something we all need to remember. Um, Seventy years ago, fifty years ago, um, if something happened on the other side of the world, you didn't know about that. All right, like you didn't know about that. You know, if there was an earthquake, I remember several years ago there was an earthquake in Japan and China. I don't know how many people died, and it took us years to get that news over here, not just because of how much they had. You know, not just because of how isolated they were, but just how slow news moved then. So what's kind of happened now is that everybody's connected. And that, right, like that's even one of the themes of social media is like, hey, get in on this big worldwide connection that's taking place. Mm -hmm. That is not a good thing. My 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 internal emotional system is not made to process everybody's problems. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not trying to downgrade the pain and the hurt that is going on around the world. But I cannot, I'm not, I'm not designed, I'm not made to digest, to digest, to, I cannot metabolize all that emotion. I can't, I will have, and I, I said all that to say this, the other day, I was I was going through some things, just you know, working with the church, praying, man, fighting for some souls. Had a lot of things on my mind, bills, you know, man, I got kids, I got a marriage, and um, I was fl flipping through Twitter, and there was like an article on how expensive it is to live in California, and I remember I literally thought like, man, I got to turn this off. I'm about to have like a nervous breakdown, <laughs> right? And I'm embellishing that, but. I literally did. I was like, man, I, I shut that thing off. I was like, no, nah, man, I, you know what? I just, that's just too much. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even, you know, that's just too much. Um, and so I, one of the things that we do need to realize is like, if you are taking in streams, streams of what we might even consider predominantly bad news, man, that's going to affect you. Yeah, yeah, that is going to affect you hard. That's I'm not saying to hide and be you know play the ostrich, but I am saying, man, you know, just be careful because that's a lot of that's a lot of bad news in a day, and you can't. There's only so much bad news you could read and feel feel like you could even do anything about it, you know, and you you. Ultimately, I think everybody needs to realize that in order for me to really, and I'm going to talk about this in the leadership class that we're about to have here in a bit, um, in order to really make a genuine impact in the world, it really does start one-on-one. -on -one. I'm convinced of that. Mm -hmm. If you really, Right now, a lot of millennials are struggling. A lot of millennials are, 
we live in a very cynical age. And so what that cynicism has done is it makes a lot of people feel that small acts of kindness are insignificant. You know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even joking with you. I like, a lot of people feel that, you know, little things are just, they're, they're just cheesy, you know. Yeah. It's just, you know, come on, you really think you're going to change the world by telling someone you love them? You know, there's that cynicism in society. A lot of millennials right now, they feel that, that if what they're doing is not big, it's not worth doing. And that's, you know, now everything has to be global. Every, you know, everything has to be international. Everything has to be earth-shaking. Everything, and, and you know the reality is, this is the gospel truth. You're gonna, you can impact your world by just literally going to your neighbors, the people that literally live next door. You can trigger, you know, a change in the world just by, by reaching out. You know, to the I, man, I, God bless my wife. The other day, we had um, a, a huge Cambodian family move across the street from our house, and this is one of the beauties of California, right? You could actually you're going to come into contact with people from all over the world. We had this huge Cambodian family move across, uh, uh, move into the house across the street. My wife and my daughter, man, they they got to baking cookies, and we were the first people over there knocking on the door, giving them cookies, introducing ourselves, talking to them. And, um, and, but you, you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't know where that's going to go. It may go nowhere. Man, it may, it may lead to like, man, we won this Cambodian family. Man, they're sent, man, they're, you know, they're going back. You know, they got some family going back to Cambodia. They got baptized in Jesus. You never know, right? You just but, never know. Yeah, you just never know. But, but just know, knowing the effectiveness Sometimes, sometimes true change happens in the driveway, not the freeway, right? Like, when if you could bring things down to home, and social media just makes you want to just, it, may, it makes you feel like everything has to be picture worthy, mm-hmm. you know. And I have to fight the urge sometimes. Like every little thing that happens in my life, I want to talk about it, post it, and it's, it's not. That's not. Yeah, you don't want to be like that, you know. That's not healthy. Yeah. Um, and and I don't ever want to lose touch with with the impact that I can make if I just bake a cookie and give it to somebody. <laughs> I'm just being very honest, yeah. you know. Oh, that's some, that's Without incredible. posting a picture of it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We didn't, we didn't, I, this is the first time that information has been released. <laughs> you know, like we didn't, my wife doesn't, didn't post a picture about her, you know, so <laughs> hallelujah. Well, that's that's some great uh, topics. I know it's been years, but uh, I think we, we had a couple nights dedicated to um, the safe, just the whole thing about you know internet and and social media was. It's been years since I don't even know if Instagram was even invented yet. So it's been we're probably due. But just there's so many things you brought up tonight. We need to, t- to probably talk about just to get the awareness out there. And you know, there's probably like ten bullet points. You could probably do a complete series on that because I think there's so many things out there we need to be careful of, and there's predators out there. Because we actually during those, one of those classes, they talked about filters and things like that to protect your kids and whatever. But just being careful what you post, because they talked about one of the guys that was here. The teaching was, I think, he worked as a detective, and he was involved in some sting operations in the Inland Empire, wow. and uh, picking up some things and getting people at the airports and stuff to, for these rendezvous inappropriately and and stuff like that. So I think we probably do for something like that. But uh, but I mean, it, it, it's it's like anything; it's good. There's some good and bad. It, you just got to be careful. I think. And, 
yeah. being aware. Yeah, um, and that's all I think we can do right now is is, is educate ourselves on what it what is it doing to us, and uh, and educate our children and our people. All it's, you know, the mo- mo- it's not just kids using social media. Some of the highest users of of social media are, are forty and above. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a president right now that literally <laughs> got himself. Uh, a lot of political leverage and power on Twitter. Yeah. Yep. On Twitter, he's still he's tweeting right now, probably. <laughs> that and that is serious. Yeah. That is serious business right there. That somebody's like, I'm going to use Twitter, mm-hmm. and man, I'm going to send ripples. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's that's we we can't. To down, you know, to write it off, to downgrade it, and to th- or think that we don't need education on it, is is a grave mistake. It, it, yeah, we need to we need to be informed about how this thing works, mm-hmm. you know, and and then determine whether we should have anything to do with it or not. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, you you jog my memory a couple of things. Our bishop has preached a few messages where he's talked about, you know, the news. Um, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, news didn't travel as fast. Well, wars and stuff were won and lost because of either propaganda or misinformation given or the lack of information given. And, you know, I, I, I can't remember what he was talking about, one of the wars where people thought they were winning and whatever, but they, they were losing. The 67, yeah. I think the Israel 67 year yeah. war was had some something to do with that, with news just not traveling right and just a lot of things like that. Well, anyway, we're we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wind this down. I think. Uh, do you have any? What are some last, some uh, great scriptures you can think of right now, or something that's uh, that's on your mind that you just want to get out there in the podcast land? Uh, um, man, I'm trying to think. Uh, man, you got me on that one. <laughs> that sounds horrible. I love the Bible. Hallelujah. Jesus wept. Well, I got to let, let me try to help you out here. Yeah, and you know what? This is good. Jesus wept. Let, let me just talk about that for one second. Jesus. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, talking about long-suffering and stuff like that, you know, uh, in your message last night... Uh, I mean, I, I'm so thankful, and and, and my wife, I, I got on the way home. She said she kind of looks at me and says, "Honey, I, I you know, because um, you know, we all go through stuff, you know, and like you said, we need to be honest and and whatever." She said, "I need to be patient with you and stuff." So she, <laughs> my wife is very patient. I was praying for a lot of married couples last night. Hallelujah! <laughs> but the, I mean, that was so good. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, and and I mean, like I, I can think of psychologists and whatever, you know, if somebody comes in a room, they're hurting, you know, whatever, and they're not going to be fixed, maybe overnight and 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 souls coming into church and you know and I think the the key thing I got and that's what I told my wife was 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 I I've I've seen people come in and then I hear that maybe somebody and and this I'm gonna I'm not a pastor or anybody but I'm just it's a pet peeve of mine when people in the church pews try to pastor and say something that may you know because we don't we don't do it the way Bishop can do it or the way Pastor Joel would yeah, yeah we got a lot of we got a lot of know? parking lot pastors <laughs> and and, yeah. and and the people get offended and you don't I wonder what happened to them and you hear that somebody said something that, that and it they're happens, not hearing yeah. anyone ah oh, that just gets to me you know and yeah and you know um, going back to to my to my memory verse here of Jesus wept. Um, <laughs> And this, as funny as it sounds, you know, I was I was preparing a sermon. A lot of people might know this, but you know, in the days of the Bible, they actually paid people to cry mm. at funerals. They were they were professional weepers. And you know, when John in 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 the eleventh chapter 
of his gospel says uh, that Jesus wept over his friend that had died. I, th- I think that he's putting that in there to contrast the fact that he obviously, in fact, the Jews noticed, they said, man, look how he's crying. You know, he must have really loved this guy. And I think John is putting that in there to contrast. Um, you know, this Jesus guy really cares. He's really, he really cares. He's not being paid, you know. In fact, a lot of times when Jesus walk in rooms and there was paid weepers, you'd kick him out, hmm. you know, because he really does care. And I think, I think if there's anything I'd like to say uh, as we as we wind this down is, is we need to never lose awareness of how much God really cares. Mm-hmm. He really cares about where people are at. He really cares about where I'm at right now. Um, he's not a paid weeper. His 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 love and his emotion, his affection. Uh, Towards me is not it's not contrived it's very real and um i th- uh, jesus wept man well you know <laughs> I, that, I, I was just i was just reading that about the weepers and and where jesus went in to heal somebody they said it was dead and they're weeping or whatever yeah. but you notice how instantly they turned off those tears and went right to scorn and they just did accusing yeah, they were paid man and, they were paid just like it's just like jesus ain't paid to just, love you <laughs> he loves you that's right even if even if your selfies don't look great <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's got some great stuff. Well, well, Brother Prado, we we really do thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to to be here with us today. Yeah. And uh, hopefully out there, uh, Danny, why don't you close it with some uh, some uh, some statistics and some ways that they can get a hold of us and and thank you very much. All right. Um, for those of you who want to get a hold of us, you can uh, send us an email. You can leave a comment, questions, or anything you have on your mind, um, you can reach us at podcast at inlandlighthouse.com. That's podcast at inlandlighthouse.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at lighthousestudios951. And uh, we just want to thank you again, Brother Prado, for coming to visit. And uh, we'll see you hopefully here in a few minutes in the leadership class. Amen. God bless. God bless.